Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. Today, we are going back into the production and casting side of things, more behind the scenes of the actual playing in esports, as you all know we do often. Today, we are joined by Hunter Shifty Pendygraft. He is a community caster, done a lot of great work in the Call of Duty scene with MLG, MES, and a number of other companies um, across the last five years. So without further ado, Hunter Shifty, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about your background, where your passion started um, in casting, and especially with Call of Duty, and how that took you through MLG, MES, into where you are now today. Um, so, hi, uh, I'm Hunter. Uh, like he said, uh, I normally go by Shifty. Um, I've been in and around the esports community for uh, over half a decade now. Uh, like uh, we were talking about off camera, I uh, am 23 years old. I've been in and around esports, whether it was Call of Duty. Uh, Halo was really the first game that kind of um, piqued my interest. Uh, I think I was about 15 or 16. Um, and I've kind of progressed from there. Uh, really and truly, I'm a community caster, which means I really don't know what I do in the, in the, uh, the esports environment. I think it's, um, I, I kind of fill holes wherever holes need to be filled, whether it's uh, producing, uh, running a stream, or commentating, uh, or, I mean, sometimes even uh, tournament admins. So I've done that as well. So um, it, it is a, it's been a progression um, that started as a player. Um, I played uh, under a couple organizations uh, back in 2015, 2016, uh, like Wild Gaming, um, who had just sent a team to Call of Duty Champions, uh, the championships uh, tournaments right after that, uh, my team got picked up. Um, I really sucked. So that, uh, that was the big thing. Um, and I learned that uh, if you can't play, then you should consider casting. And uh, I kind of went into it from there. Uh, really and truly, I had, no, uh, I had no idea that I was going to kind of get to this um, point when it comes to commentating. Uh, I picked it up as uh, something that I did for fun because I had a vested interest in the game. And uh, mm -hmm. here we are. So uh, yeah, hi, that's me. That's my long winded introduction. Um, I, I've been around for a minute, um, watch the, the community kind of explode and, and implode and expand and how it has. So uh, it, um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, and uh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Glad to have you on the show. Um, my first question for you more specifically is take us through that beginning stages of casting, right? You said started off as kind of being just a fun hobby type thing, and now here you are pretty successful. Take us through those steps of like how you started to refine your craft and really improve into what you are today. Well, and I'll preface by saying that if anyone wants to pick up commentating, the biggest thing that you have to have is a vested interest in what you're doing. So, because I think really and truly, I mean, even the most shy of people can have conversations about things that they're really interested in, right? So I think uh, kind of coming at it with that vested interest is what got me started into it. I think every uh, player, when they start playing, they also like to watch. And I think that's kind of how you learn the craft. Um, for me, uh, back in Advanced Warfare, it was actually, uh, so that was 2015, I believe. Uh, yeah, 2015. Um, I kind of, uh, so I actually started um, as an MLG TV partner, like back when uh, MLG.TV was a thing, uh, when they were competing with Twitch. Um, and yeah. I started there and actually ended up 
solo casting and streaming uh, a couple smaller organizations uh, tournaments that they had been hosting uh, in Call of Duty. And that's actually kind of what got me started. Um, I, I did it solo, which commentating solo is very difficult, um, especially for someone who's uh, kind of brand new to the scene. Um, but it is a phenomenal way to start because you never truthfully know how much you know about the game until you have to single-handedly man a stream. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's where I started. Um, I started uh, streaming those tournaments. I commentated and admin those tournaments. Um, people tend to uh, tended to come back with positive feedback. Uh, said, "Hey, you know, you seem to kind of know what you're talking about. Uh, you should try doing this more." Um, and then, actually, my first, I guess, quote unquote, big break uh, was with uh, Perfect Alliance, which was a big, big uh, amateur uh, Call of Duty organization at uh, the beginning of 2016. Um, and then that led into the female pro league. Uh, I commentated uh, for the female pro Call of Duty league uh for uh, about six or seven months as well so really and truly i kind of took off very quickly um and 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 i'm very uh lucky for that uh but i think a lot of it has to do with that vested interest that i was talking about so uh, really and truly honing the craft is really easy it's just doing it a bunch of times i think Mm -hmm. that and the more situations you see and kind of the ability to think on your feet while you do it that kind of comes with time so uh, i think my big thing with getting started was just putting my name in the hat and, and actually doing it um after you know after you network correctly a little bit on Twitter especially uh, which is where a majority of the esports communities uh, kind of live mm-hmm, um, for sure after marketing yourself correctly uh, you'll have opportunities that kind of come and and to me that uh, was where I got started because like I said some random small tournament organization hit me up and was like hey would you like to stream uh, our uh, matches and I said absolutely so uh, that's kind of where I got started it all just like I said kind of snowballed from there yeah for sure I, I- Absolutely love that kind of like slow or not slow, but gradual build up, right? Mm-hmm. Going from small, tiny, you know, no namers to, you know, big time. Intellect. Right. Absolutely. That kind of stuff. I love to see that growth because I think you had a lot of important points on that. I want to touch on is that, you know, taking that leap of faith to just do it and then building your network and your marketing off of it. Right. I think it's something that's massively overlooked. Like opportunities don't just arise out of thin air. Um, and especially in the esports world, like you have to make sure that you're growing your brand personally, right? Having the networking, especially on Twitter, that's where everything happens in esports. All the drama, all the networking, all oh, the good yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, well, that's all great. the bad stuff too. Love it. <laughs> um, Twitter is a beast in itself, definitely for esports. Um, but yeah, speaking, a couple of things I want to ask you a couple of questions on um, the production side of things, right? Mm-hmm. You said that you operated your own streams and casted mm-hmm. solo, and then you've also, you know, done work for MLG and MES where I'm sure they have their own production crew behind you as well. So speak to some of the differences and the intricacies between the two in your experience. Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, So the, okay. So the biggest thing from being a solo producer slash commentator is all of the stuff that you have to keep straight. Like, uh, I don't know if, if anyone who has ever produced a stream of any kind, whether it's your own stream or whether it's an organization stream or, you know, whatever, there's a lot of pieces that go into that, whether it's getting graphics made for every single thing and then having to update those graphics on the run. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a reason that like when you go to MLG or when you go to MES, uh, which I'm glad you highlighted, uh, there's entire teams of Mm -hmm. production people. I mean, when I went to MES, uh, we, 
had separate producers, one that was running the stream, one that was uh, kind of feeding us our uh, feedback live as we went. We had a makeup team, so we had to get makeup and, you know, the whole thing because we were going to be on camera. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of intricacies that go into when you have an entire production team. And it really sucks when you do it by yourself because mm -hmm. you miss that. Um, and, and, and that's one thing that I think really changes because I've been to multiple LAN tournaments. I even, my very first LAN tournament, I solo casted and solo produced. Um, so it was about 13 hours of hard work. I mean, it was hard work. I mean, we constantly, you were constantly doing something, whether it was trying to find a way to um, transition in from one match to another, commentating the actual match itself or then on top of that having another screen pulled up to manage the twitch chat and mm -hmm. you know all of the graphics uh in your obs or your stream labs or whatever you're using um so yeah it's a uh, the unsung heroes of mm -hmm. all of the production squad are the ones that never end up with the high amounts of followers on twitter which i think is is terrible because those people deserve as much recognition as the people who are being the quote-unquote faces of the brand um and they never do. So uh, the they are the if you're a football if you're a football person they are the uh, they are the offensive line of mm -hmm. of uh, production. Uh, they are the the whereas the casters and the players are your quarterback and your running back and your wide receivers. The ones down getting dirty uh, in the doing the grit. Uh, those are your production guys, and they are extremely talented, especially when you go up to the high level. Um, so I was nowhere near that level. So I'm really glad that we've uh, I've been. Able to push to a position where I have somebody uh, doing the production now, but yeah, the level of intricacies going from a solo cast to uh, being having someone producing, mm -hmm. there are a lot of similarities. But the biggest thing is that you have to do it all yourself. Oh, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. like you have to do it all yourself. Uh, that's the that's the big thing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely great to go up to where someone else can handle all the all the background stuff. So yeah. there's no doubt. Yeah, hundred percent. Going to agree more is that like it just starts to scale itself, right? And right. I think it's also really great for esports in general is that the more production, the bigger the production team, the more you can do with production, right? When you're solo casting, solo producing, and managing the stream, you can only do so much, right? You forget so to change, uh, forget to change a number uh, in mm -hmm. the in the round count or whatever, and then everybody in the Twitch chat starts roasting you, but you don't yep. realize that they don't realize that you're the only person doing it all. So exactly. yeah, it, it opens up for a whole nother, uh, a whole lot more doors open up. I agree. Yeah. For sure, I know. Like, I mean, the production team that we do for our events is about four people, and we probably have sixty to eighty moving pieces of the stream and four people. Like, it that takes all the effort of four people to manage all those. Pieces. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, with one person, that's a, that's almost impossible, right? Yes. Yeah. We got big time productions like MLG or like Pro League and different games right now in Tier One. They probably have eight hundred moving pieces all at once. Right. Boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom. Um, so I absolutely love to see that you kind of separated the two, especially for the audience. Um, my next question would be kind of more of a request. Give us that day-to-day -day of that big time casting, right, with MES, MOG, when you have that team behind you. What do those days look like at those lands or at those online events um, to give our audience just a better picture of what everything behind the scenes kind of looks like that they don't get to see on camera because the players are on camera? Um, that's another great question. Um, so mine, so like, for example, on days that we did MES, um, you normally get there uh, pretty early. Um, like, so tournament matches tended to start on Fridays. Um, 
that was where your pool play started. So like your, your opening matches, your open bracket, your uh, higher seated teams kind of doing their scrims. Um, that normally started on Friday afternoon. So we normally got there on Thursday um, to kind of go over pre-production stuff for the first day of the stream. Um, I know when I went, um, we, we got there Thursday afternoon um, and kind of went over things preliminarily, said, okay, this is going to be where the caster's booth is. You know, if you guys need anything, this is where the production booth is going to be, you know, all that stuff. Um, excuse me. Um, but um, the, the big thing is, is uh, the pre-production stuff. So like, I, like I said, Thursday afternoon, we got there Friday. Uh, the matches would start at like 5 PM. They started pretty late. Cause that was when uh, registrations were all done that morning and check-ins. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you have 120 teams at four players a pop, that's a lot of people to try and manage. Right. So uh, they don't start uh, until later that afternoon, but our day started normally in the morning. Um, about 11 uh, is when I would normally uh, get up and go down there a couple hours before we started doing the registration stuff. Uh, so we could walk over what matches we were going to have on stream, you know, what are the key talking points for these matches, uh, stuff like that. Um, but then after the tournament gets going, it's really kind of, you're kind of like an on-call worker um, is the biggest thing. Because a lot of times with like those big uh, lands, you'll have a casting group of you know, five or six people um, that all kind of trade out uh, to make sure that not one person is is on stream too much or, you know, gets hoarse because of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so you're kind of like an on-call person. And a majority of the time too, though, like I said, going back to that vested interest you have to have in the game, a lot of time when you're not working, you're spectating, you're, you're mm -hmm. watching, you're, you're on the floor with the players or the other casters or the analysts or whatever, um, and kind of still talking about the game. So even when you're not working, you're working. Um, mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel like it. Um, but you're kind of like an on-call, uh, like, like a nurse is, is the, the, the only thing I could compare it to in terms of like, you may be up in your hotel room trying to grab a snack or grab a nap or whatever. And mm -hmm. the second that they need you on that deck, it's no longer about you. It's about the, you know, thousands of people that are watching you do it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's no longer about what you want to do. You go get your McDonald's and eat very quickly and come back. So you're ready to cast at 6 PM or whatever. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it's the day to day life is, is honestly just like going to an event. Um, you'll meet a lot of super cool people. You'll get to watch a lot of uh, a really good game of whatever your respective uh, game is, whether it's COD or, uh, you know, League of Legends or Halo or whatever you want to do. Um, you'll meet all kinds of great people. You'll meet all kinds of terrible people at the same time. Um, there's, there's kind of a dichotomy you draw there with uh, what's, what's cancerous and what's great um, there. Yeah. But um, it, it, other than that, besides the fact that you kind of have a job to do uh, beyond that, it's just like going to a land. If you've ever been to a land or a tournament, you know, the vibes you get, it's awesome. Um, but the only difference was when they were texting my phone saying, Hey, you're up next on the casters booth. Mm -hmm. I had to drop everything I was doing and, and get up there. So uh, that tends to be the biggest thing is that people forget that, uh, that it's not about you. It's not about what you want to do at that time. It's about the, like I said, the thousands of people that are watching you giving the money to the organizations that which in turn you get paid with. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta balance uh, the fun with the work aspect of it. But to be honest, in a weekend long, if you're commentating an entire tournament, you're never not working. Yeah. Um, 
and that's and that goes true with production that goes through with you know everything but um, mm -hmm. especially on the casting side you are always working whether it's uh, off stream taking notes and you know uh, having talking points for the next matches or whatever you're constantly doing something yeah 100 percent could be more i think like it sounds like you're always part of the experience as well right because even the the pre-match chicken the notes all that kind of stuff you still have to watch the games interact okay. with the players so like you can commentate about their personalities their team approach all of that kind of stuff so like absolutely love to see that that's exactly what the casters are doing you told the audience that same thing so incredible there always love to see that um speaking about community you touched way back more near the um start of this mm -hmm about the community you've seen it grow up down up down you know you've been exposed to the good the bad you've done work with the women's league which obviously you know sexism in esports is a problem right Everyone, absolutely we're trying to fix it right but it takes time um so talk about the community that you've been exposed to some of the experiences that might pop in your head um even even better specifically with the women's league that you've done work with sure and to kind of show the good of the esports community and how it's you know trending the right way but there's work to be had um trending the right way i think is um I, I think that's a hopeful statement. Yeah. I think it is. I, I, I think it is going in the right direction now that we're starting to get a little bit more exposure on it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I always tell people that I was like one of the esports hipsters. Like I was like, I was doing it before it was cool. Like, cause mm -hmm. I was back in it when, you know, now Twitch streamers and stuff like that are like, super famous and you know they i've been around it since when we were still getting called nerds so like you know it, it, it's um i have seen it grow in a, a positive direction i think and and honestly believe it or not i agree that sexism in uh in esports is a very prevalent topic whether you're talking about at the professional level whether you're talking about at the content creation level um or whatever um mm -hmm. but i will say that a lot of that positive growth that i saw actually came in the field email pro league. Um, I, I saw a lot of people granted, I saw some people that were like, Oh, you know, females just can't play cod or whatever. You know, that's, that's bound to happen. I'm not, you know, that's, it's terrible, but it's bound to happen. Um, the, the, but honestly, which is surprising, uh, in my opinion, I saw a lot more of the opposite. I saw a lot more people that were opening up to the idea of um, all women's teams and even co-ed teams. In fact, a lot of times I saw uh, the most prevalent conversation that I had had with um, uh, one of my female co-casters uh, who worked on that league. Her name is Lemon Kiwi. Jen, she is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, she commentates the uh, Overwatch League now. She is uh, a, a peach. Uh, to work with but um one thing that her and i always talked about uh, was was transitioning that female pro league into just a semi-pro co-ed league mm -hmm. um and, and and kind of taking away the whole women need to be separate on their own kind of uh you know boat uh, like the WNBA or uh you know your mm -hmm. uh, your female sports so it's cool and especially with esports because uh, you have so many females that are doing this all the time and they don't get the type of recognition that maybe some of the, the male players get. So it was really cool to, uh, to, to kind of uh, walk both lines being a male that was involved so heavily in that league. Mm -hmm. um, it was very cool. Um, I have seen the community grow and implode on itself uh, on multiple occasions. I think a lot of that has to do with, um, with the commonality of the reception of the game uh because mm -hmm. a lot of times if the game isn't quite as good because you know call of duty gets updated and changed uh, changed every mm -hmm. year exactly. um but uh the thing about it is is 
based on the reception of that game, I think is kind of how the, the community changes. Here recently, though, with the last two games being Black Ops 4 and Modern Warfare, I've kind of seen the negative reception of that game not affect the growth of the community, which I think is a huge step forward mm -hmm. because I think we are finally starting to get some more limelight on these esports players and, and we're starting to kind of see them develop more. And if that's happening, then it doesn't really matter uh, of what the reception of the game is because you know they'll still be around for the next one. Exactly. Um, so I think it's, I think we're going in a positive direction. I really do. Um, but I've definitely seen the, the underbelly of, of it as well. And, you know, uh, with every community, there's always going to be some stinkers. And, I, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, the stinkers just tend to speak louder than uh, the ones who are, are going with the flow. But uh, that's, that's part of it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I haven't, I will say, I've met a lot more awesome people uh, to kind of finalize it, I, I, I've met more, a lot more awesome people than I have terrible people in the esports community because mm -hmm. on Twitter, which like we've said is the main way people communicate, if I don't like you, I'm just not going to read your tweets. I'm just going to, I'm just going to block you or ignore you or yep. whatever. So um, yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's part of it too, is picking your community. I think you can get into as cancerous of a community as you want to. Um, but it, it's all about who you choose to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more with a lot of those points there is, you know, going back to the women, seeing that scene kind of foster itself and hopefully moving towards that co-ed where there isn't those blocks, right? I think it's fantastic they have their own platform because right now I think a lot of women kind of get pushed to the side um, because of those sexism issues. And this, you know, when they have their own platform, it gives them the opportunity to play at that highest level and get the viewership and the platform, right, to expand like you were saying. So couldn't Absolutely. agree more there. I love seeing the community. I think, you know, a lot of the issues in COD is because it, cycle so fast like you said but i think every game does that you know maybe it's not a new game it's a new meta and then right. you the players because then you know something like a lot of game devs they kind of just break games sometimes yeah no i'm with um, it yeah so yeah so it's just uh like that cycle i like to see that that cycle not controlling the entire community anymore right people stick with it stick it out and then there for them when the game gets back to where it was or even better so love to see that but one oh. thing I will comment, sorry, not to interrupt you. One oh, thing I will open. comment on is, um, is you brought up the developers, which I think is such a small, uh, it is such a big piece of it that is not talked about as enough, mm -hmm. uh, enough, but like you have like Treyarch and Infinity Ward now who, and again, this just kind of shows the positive trajectory of, of how esports is growing. We have now developers that are bringing in pro players to play their pre-alpha and yep. say, Hey, how does this feel? What do we we need to change because they know that the pros are going to be putting a whole lot more time into it than your test groups are. And go. it's important to get that other half of, mm -hmm. of input. I mean, you look at a game like Counter-Strike where that game is geared towards the competitive player and then the casual player follows. And we mm -hmm. see how uh, important uh, that game has become in terms of paving the way for uh, first-person shooters as a whole. So mm -hmm. it's really awesome to see the developers. Big shout out to Treyarch and Infinity Ward and Sledgehammer and all of those developers um, that are bringing in the competitive players to kind of get that other side of the same coin. Uh, so sorry, not to interrupt you, but I yeah. but that that was a point I needed to make is that yeah. uh, we that is part of the reason why it is increasing. I think. Yeah. 100%. Again, I keep saying I can't agree more, but I really can't because developers control the game which we play. That's the platform. It literally is the platform. And without their entire support and that holistic view, right? Okay, what, what is our test team looking at? 
let's get the pros, right? And let's bring in some content creators too, right? Really get a whole picture, which they, which a lot of them are now, like you were saying, Treyarch and the others that you mentioned, um, they are doing that, which just helps so much because then ultimately you get this really beautiful picture of what the game could be, and then they can develop and change and tweak and balance. And then boom, you have a beautiful game. Everyone loves, the casuals love it, competitors love it, pros love it. Everyone's happy, right? So couldn't agree more. We are unfortunately running out of time, which absolutely stinks because I've loved our conversation. Um, I will leave you with one parting quick question. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for a younger, let's say high school student, right? That, you know, is interested in casting the production side of things. What's one quick piece of advice that you have to give to them to help them boost them on their path to success? It sounds corny, but love what you do. Um, take that vested interest in whatever you're doing, whether it's running a stream or talking about a game or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. and run with it. And and network, it, it, network, 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 network. That's the other thing too. I mean, dude, if it boils down to you sending a DM to every single person that follows you and say, hey, here's my link. Here, check this out or check this mm -hmm. out. Eventually, one of those times, uh, someone will listen. Um, so I, the vested interest, love what you do um, and never look back and never let uh, someone tell you that you can't do it either. Yep. Absolutely love to hear that. I think that's a really great step as well. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Fantastic, fantastic discussion on this little mini podcast. Um, Hunter Shifty, tell us real quick, plug yourself, where we can find you, your Twitch stream or any of your platforms. Tell us where we can find you if you want to learn a little bit more about you. First off, shout out to the guys over at Stay Plugged In. Uh, thank you, Kyle, for uh, putting together a really awesome interview. Thank you, Nick, for uh, uh, reaching out to me on the side of Stay Plugged In as well. Follow them on Twitter uh, and uh, make sure that we uh, keep up with the guys over at Stay Plugged In. Uh, for me, at uh, ShiftyHJP is my Twitter. That's my main handle. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at ShiftyHJP as well. Uh, but check out um, AGN underscore underscore events um that is the uh organization where i call my home as of right now in terms of commentating if you ever mm -hmm. want to stop by and say hello you just uh stop by and say hello um so again thanks to to everybody from stay plugged in too that was awesome awesome thank you for the thanks that means a lot to us because we love that uh feedback as we try to continue to really bring that holistic approach to esports to expand the entire industry as much as that we possibly can with what we have underneath our belt so once again, to all our viewers, thank you for uh, joining in and listening. Awesome podcast here. Um, really, it really should go check out Hunter and Shifty more. Um, get his views on a little more topics. Hopefully we can get you another podcast soon, a longer one, so we can expand on all these ideas. Let me know, man. I'll yeah. be around. I'll be here. 100%. Lastly, to everyone out there, stay healthy and stay happy in these current, very difficult times with the current COVID-19 pandemic. And ultimately, stay plugged in. Mm -hmm.